Let the wheat and the tares grow together. Part 1. The Church Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Matthew 13 and 30, KJV In the time that I have been walking with Jesus, a process called the renewing of the mind has been taking place. As written in Romans 12:2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A major part of this process has involved the unlearning of false doctrines, wrong thinking, bad behaviors, and teachings that were against Jesus, the Word, many of which have come from the churches and their leaders. For example, when I or another congregant would raise a grievance concerning various issues that were happening in the church, such as the gossiping, the infighting, the sexual harassment, the respective of persons that I knew in my spirit, even being a baby Christian, was wrong. These church members and leaders would say something like, well, you just have to keep your eyes on Jesus because sometimes when we leave a place searching for better, we may find worse instead. Another response I would receive or hear was, well, you know, the church is where people who are sick go that are in need of help and healing. But no matter the response, it always ended the same way. And you know, the Lord said, let the wheat and the tares grow together. So basically they were saying, we have to compromise and let certain things go because you know, that's what we're here for. However, I felt like in my spirit, that wasn't the right thing to do. Like that was not the correct way to look at it. So when the churches closed during COVID, I made the decision I would never go back. I was like a member for nine years and was consistent when it came to attending Sunday school. And I would be at church early, especially in the beginning. But then as time went along, I started getting to church later and later because the things I would see and experience in the church made it almost impossible for me to continue. It grieved me to keep going through the motions, going along to get along, so to speak. But I would always try to be consistent about Sunday school because that was where I was getting my foundation and learning the most about God and this walk. But it was really coming to the point where I just couldn't be there in that place anymore. When churches were allowed to reopen, I tried to go to another church and I found that basically the same thing was happening. It was just a bigger church, but all the things that were going on were grieving my spirit. So eventually I had to leave there too. But I still had this gnawing, this conviction about my decision. Knowing this, as the Lord does about everything, one day he caught my attention about that and he said, Kimberly, go back and read my word. Go back and read the scripture about what I said about the wheat and the tare growing together. So when I went back to read the scriptures concerning what the word actually says concerning the church, these are the verses that the Spirit took me back to read. But first, let's start with Matthew thirteen twenty four thirty, because this is where the phrase, let the wheat and the tares grow together, comes from. In one of my KJV study Bibles, these verses are referred to as the parable of the wheat and the tares, and it reads, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. 
But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath the tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. For more clarity, let's define wheat, and let's define tares as it pertains to this parable. Wheat is a grain that has various functions and purposes, which is most often ground and baked into bread. Webster's adds that it is a cereal grain that yields fine flour and used chiefly in bread, baked goods, and pastas. Wheat is a grass widely cultivated for its seed, a cereal grain that is a worldwide staple food. A tear, on the other hand, is defined as a weed, says to be a darnel plant, also according to vines. Tares grow as tall as wheat and barley and resembles wheat in appearance. The seeds are said to be poisonous to man and herbivorous animals, producing sleepiness, nausea, convulsions, and even death. The text goes on to explain that tares can be separated out, but the custom, as in the parable, is to leave the cleaning out till near the time of harvest. The Lord describes the tares as sons of the evil one. In the teachings of Jesus, we understand that parables were short stories used to convey an important truth to his receptive hearers and to conceal the lesson from those who were critical or unreceptive. Earlier in this chapter, in Matthew 13, 10-16, Jesus explains to the disciples why he speaks in parables. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this person's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. In other words, Jesus was speaking about wheat and tares, but was really speaking about the children of God, the wheat, the good seed, and the children of the devil, the tares. Going further in Jesus' teaching here, the barn is the place where Jesus has prepared for God's children, and the place where the tares will be taken to burn will be the lake of fire. The reaping that will take place, the gathering, is the day of judgment, time of harvest. The reapers are the angels. The sower is, of course, Jesus, and his enemy is, of course, the devil. Finally, the field, 
where the wheat and the tares are planted is the earth. As we know, the earth was originally meant for God's children to occupy and multiply. But when Satan was cast down to earth and tempted Eve and Adam sinned, the planting of tares began. The devil spawned out of that disobedience. Now on earth, the devil spawned and God's children are occupying together which also explains why there is so much confusion on the earth, because as the question was asked, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Now, as we just learned from the definitions that I have outlined above, the tares grow as tall as wheat and resembles wheat in appearance. So in other words, you cannot tell the difference on sight if you're dealing with a child of God or a child of the devil. This is why we need spiritual discernment, which comes with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside a believer. Without this discernment, we will allow ourselves to commingle with a tear because it looks like us on the outside. It may even sound like us as well, because remember, Satan and his spawn can quote Bible too and speak in tongues. Then, just as was outlined in Jesus' parable concerning the seeds that were sown in this same chapter, when the seed fell amongst the thorns, tares in Matthew thirteen twenty two. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Therefore, if you allow a tear, a weed, a thorn in your life, a wicked one, because it is poisonous, it will induce death by stealing all those things from you that you need to carry on your duties as a child of God. Joy, peace, the promises, the light of the world, replacing those things with the cares of the world, false light, lies instead of truth, so they will induce spiritual sleep and eventually causing you to die both spiritually and ultimately physically. As weeds do to your grass when they are allowed to grow unhindered, weeds steal the nutrients from the soil and block the sunlight so the grass has nothing to live on. Amen. Now we understand when Jesus said, let them both, the wheat and the tare, grow together until the harvest, he meant in the earth, not in his church. Again, the field refers to the earth in which the tares and the wheat sprung up. Now let's look at what Jesus really said and what he did and what God said, what we are to do, his children, the overseers of the church, when the devil and his spawn tried to bring their foolishness into his church. In Matthew 21, 9 through 13, and the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went to the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Jesus made it plain to me that he did not play about his church. He died for the church, his bride, and he's coming back for a church without spot. And he shall not allow one to believe that compromise in his church is correct. 
This is outlined in Ephesians 5, 24 through 30. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. He also said, go back and read what he said in Revelation and the letters that he sent to the angels of the churches. And how he spoke about how he meant for his churches to behave. For example, in Revelation 3, 13 through 19, Jesus addresses the church of Laodicea, instructing them on what they must do to come into reconciliation with him. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. To the church of Corinth concerning his instructions as to how they should behave, in 1 Corinthians 14.33, Paul reminds them of this one thing about God and his churches. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Oh, well, you know, we just have to compromise because God said, let the wheat and the tares grow together. That is not what the Lord said. And so God wants it made plain to those who have double mindedness when it comes to the church, those who compromise, those who would rather have the membership than to clean house, so to speak. You would be lukewarm and the Lord is going to spew you out of his mouth like spoiled milk. God understands that there are going to be those who are still babes in Christ. He talks about those babes in Christ and he says how we should not offend them because they are young in the word. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. And it reads, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal, and walk as men? But certain crimes in the church are not applicable, 
And we have to discern the children of God in training and the children of darkness. Because it is the lust of the Father that they will do freely. The Lord also allows for warnings to those who are out of line with what is written concerning their walk with God. He says, take this person to the side and say, wait a minute, this isn't working. And then if that doesn't work, he says, okay, well then go get a witness and let it be known amongst the two. Then if that doesn't work, he said, then take it to the head of the church. And then if that doesn't work, you have to put them out. We read about this in Matthew 18, 14 through 17. Even so, it is not the will of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Then if you really want to get an even greater sense of God's no tolerance policy when it comes to following the dictates he has outlined concerning his church, take a stroll through the Old Testament. In Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, for example, we read about what happens to Aaron's sons when they disrespected the rules God set up for the church. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. There went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. God's no tolerance policy when it comes to those sowing confusion in the church is rooted in the fact that confusion and strife keeps the church from functioning in its duties. God has set a difference between the church and the world for this reason, so that the light of the church shall shine and penetrate the darkness of the world. If darkness is allowed to run freely in the church, where is the light then? Where is the difference? 2 Corinthians 6, 14 be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? You can't have whoremongers in the church. The devil can't have a place in the pulpit seeking whom he may devour. You can't have division because a church divided against itself cannot stand. God warns us of these things in his word, and we pay attention to it not. Then when it all falls apart, we want to blame it on God, as it is written in Matthew 18, 18. Verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is why you have so many churches that closed during COVID and never opened back up. Then those that reopened, it was with lesser membership because God is not going to be made a liar. He said, let every man be a liar, but let God be true.